Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice joice, and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with a loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Here ends the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The text for our gospel proclamation today does come from Zephaniah and serves as the basis of our theme for the third Sunday in Advent, giving us kingdom with him. Rejoice that you are not in the prison that you have made for yourself. We do that, don't we? We lay in the bed we made, we shoot our mouths off before our brains are loaded, we lie, cheat, and even steal to get ahead, and then we find the corners we cut are missing when we need a place to stand and make a case for ourselves. That may be what happened with Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. The money mystery comes after 600000 in checks and cash disappeared from the church's safe in 2014. The Houston Chronicle reported that. No arrests were made in the case, and the Houston Police Department's investigation remains open. Then, just recently, a plumber was working on a toilet in one of the many bathrooms of the Mega Worship Center and discovered behind some loose insulation maybe as many as 500 envelopes for offerings stashed in the insulation. So there appears to be some shenanigans. And this may have even been an inside job by someone on staff or a member of the church with after-hours access to the facilities and safe. Now I ask you, what are the odds that in a facility that used to be a basketball arena for the Rockets, the one toilet that needed fixing would be the one where maybe as much as 600000 in church offerings were nefariously stashed? Do you think God wanted this crime against the church exposed? I think so. Bad actors are clearly out there even in the church today. There are people that steal from the offering plates. There are pastors that lie, cheat, and take advantage. There are trustees, treasurers, and the like that once they get enough power from the church to take advantage of the church and abscond with funds for their own personal use. So I'm not picking on Lakewood as a unique sinner in this regard. 
I'm sure everyone hearing this message today knows of at least one story where this has happened, and I will let you fill in the blanks so this message will resonate personally with you today. I mean, after all, even in Scripture, we see the people of God taking advantage of the trust they earned, not only with God, but also with God's people, and then disappointed everyone in the most devious of ways. That is Zephaniah's prophecy today. Rejoice that you are not in the prison you have made for yourselves. Rather than obeying God under the kings of Manasseh and Ammon, the people of God carved out images of false gods to serve their wants and desires rather than the will of God. And it was an abomination so grievous, God set in order their demise at the hands of the Assyrians and later the Babylonians. During the reign of King Josiah, the high priest Hilkiah encouraged the king to turn back to the covenant of Moses and the instructions of God he handed down to them. And when Josiah read the book of the law, he ripped his robes in anguish at how far they had wandered from the one true God. Then the reforms were afoot, for they had the guidance of God's word to get them there. But for all that Josiah did that was good, he still managed to disobey God by aligning with the Egyptians against the Assyrians and lost his life at Megiddo for his defiance. King Jehoahaz and King Jehoiakim went right back to the false gods and people of God went right into the captivity in Babylon. Oh, we were doing so badly and then we did so well and then we went right back to being bad again. Such is the life of the sinner saint before God. There are good days in which we glorify God, and then there are those days that we are embarrassed that we ever even got out of bed. Like the alcoholic or drug addict that struggles daily with the ever-present temptation of just one drink to take the edge off, or just one hit to get the twitching sensations to cease in their muscles, so the sinful human being wrestles with the temptation of their own flesh, the world, and even the devil himself. Because the devil, if and when he gets you, can trap you in the prison of your own sinful making. Ironically enough, when you realize you are in the prison that you made for yourself, that is exactly when Zephaniah's words will make the most sense to you. For God's people first heard his words in captivity in Babylon. They could hear his prophecy and see the mistake they'd made, take responsibility for the apostasy they accomplished, and return to the Lord their God, literally in Jerusalem, but spiritually for the redemption of their souls. Why did God do it this way? Why did God hold his redemption from them? Why didn't he warn them that what they were doing would cause the destruction of the hands of the Assyrians and the Babylonians? Why did they have to wait until they were suffering the consequences of their actions rather than to warn them it was coming? Well, I have a theory about that. How many of you have children? How many of you warn them not to do something and they do it anyway? 
How many of you know that they learn really well when they are suffering the consequences of their actions? How many of you would have liked to have spared them these consequences, but they didn't listen before, but they will listen now? Yeah, this isn't rocket science for parents. But what about friends that are adults? How many of you have seen them start drinking with little desire to slow down. Did they listen before they got too inebriated? How much better did they listen when you had to help them get home, get them into bed, to sleep on their side so they don't throw up all over themselves, and then watch their head-splitting headaches ruin the next day? Were they ready to listen then? I bet they were. How many of us saw that teenage boy hot-riding around town? How many times did we warn them that the police are going to catch him? Finally, they got them, or the car was totaled in a high-speed, out-of-control crash. Let me ask you again, when were their eyes and ears open to what you had to say then? Before the ticket and accident, or after the ticket and accident? How many young women and men did we encourage to mind a chase lifestyle but rolled their eyes every time we questioned their alone time boundaries? When a child came into the picture and they realized that minutes of passion just became years of responsibility, how ready were they to listen then? The people of God needed Zephaniah's word when they were most prepared to listen to them. And usually... That was right after they were hit the hardest and needed the encouragement we hear today. All God's creatures need him when they're hurting the most. And this season of Advent shows us that there is no pain or suffering that we can experience by our own making that God can't come in the midst of and redeem us from it. This is why we tell the child banished to the corner with tears in their eyes, I forgive you and I love you. To our hungover friends, we invite them to wholesome activities and worship to replace their soul searching in the most soulless places of all. For the muscle car man boys hanging their head in shame with a ticket in their hand or devastated at the total car they still have to make payments on, we lend them a car to help them get back on their feet and mature from the foolishness of their ways. And when the young man and woman find themselves with a baby, we give health care to them that lets the child live. We instruct them in the art of marriage and fruitful relationships. And we come alongside them. And rather than shame them, we shower them with forgiveness and redemption. For in this season of Advent, we are all struggling with the sinful prisons of our own making. And while our sins may not be as pronounced and obvious as the aforementioned ones, we sin nonetheless and we deserve as much the consequences thereof. That is what we anticipate in Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, and reflect on these days leading to the celebration of his birth all those years ago. We know that he came to die for our sins and to have mercy on our souls and redeem us from our sinful condition through his sacrifice on the cross. And knowing he did that for us, 
We believe and our redemption was won with his nail-pierced hands and feet and side divided by a Roman soldier's spear. And having risen from the dead, promises to come and get us again to live in the new heavens and the new earth forever. When we wander from God, it is often because we think we can put him where we want him. Like when we want him as a sin-affirming friend or hidden from our view and not paying attention to us, or simply so far removed from our life, we simply don't have to think about him at all, and we can think whatever we want and do whatever we want, because God is out of our sight, right where we thought we put him. But Zephaniah makes it clear that God is always where he puts himself, everywhere, but most especially right in the midst of us. For he gathers us in. He calls us home. He shepherds us in his fields and even sits with us in the prisons of our own making, just waiting for us to realize, believe, and trust that he already freed us with the keys that he had all along to unlock us and give us his kingdom with him. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.